1: Street Soccer here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network, also coming to you live on Sirius XM 211, Dan Patrick Sports. I'm your host, Nick Gieber. Great to be with you today. Uh, After a very eventful Premier League weekend, seeing some surprising results, we're going to take a look at them all. We're going to take a look at the closure of the transfer window. Let's see who did what, when, where, and how. And, of course, we have to talk about uh, Manchester City, Leicester City, Chelsea. We've got to talk about the top four because we're getting into a very exciting race for the top four. And, of course, the relegation battle. Uh, David Moyes and West Ham United now find themselves in the relegation zone. Surprisingly, Bournemouth now out of it. We're going to talk about all of it. Lots to get to because some huge results. And, of course, many of the Premier League teams are now on a two-week break. It doesn't mean that the league is going to stop. I love the way they're doing this. Uh, It doesn't mean the league is going to stop. What it means is that certain teams won't be playing for two weeks, uh, but we will see games. It's going to be a reduced schedule. Uh, That way, uh, they're not taking us off our beloved Premier League cold turkey. Uh, Look, I'd like to welcome in our men and women in uniform around the world listening on the American Forces Network. Great to be with you. Hope you will make me a regular part of your week. And also, if you're listening on iHeartRadio or TuneIn, welcome you to the show. Of course, the award-winning SiriusXM app, we're on that as well. And if you should miss any part of the show, you can download the podcast at the Believe Podcast Network, B-L-E-A-V, immediately following its conclusion. Uh, Those are the topics on the table. I'd love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter. I am at NickGeber, N-I-C-K-G-E-B-E-R. Why don't you uh, find me there? And uh, I will... Love to hear from you and respond to you. We have so much to get to today. There is so much going on in the world of football. Uh, of course, I uh, want to talk to you about Manchester United as well. Uh, let's talk about their new signing, Bruno Fernandes. What did you think? Uh, it was pretty gutsy, I thought, of Solskjaer to throw him into the mixer immediately. Uh, but all right, right, that's what we're going to talk about. So stay tuned. I'll be right back with more right after this. Welcome back. I uh, had to play that a little bit. So uh, Andy Gill, of course, that was Gang of Four at home. He's a tourist and uh, a, a really a band that meant a lot to me in my early days. And uh, Andy Gill, the guitarist for Gang of Four, unfortunately uh, died over the last couple of days. So very sad about that. Very young man in his early 60s and uh, a, a really a monumental band. Um, uh, entertainment was uh, listed as one of the 550 uh, best, uh, 50 top Uh, most influential albums ever, and uh, an incredible band. If you don't know much about Gang of Four, you should check them out. Very caustic, difficult to listen to at times, but uh, an absolutely brilliant band, Andy Gill, unfortunately uh, dying over the weekend. So there you have it, from Leeds, by the way. Uh, So uh, anyway. All right. um, Well, let's talk about the Premier League, shall we? Because the table right now look okay i'm going to say it and i know i've been very hesitant to say it but i'm going to say that this liverpool have won the title there is a 22 point margin between liverpool in first and manchester city in second this is the largest margin in english top flight football history Uh, liverpool have won the have the best start to any team in european top flight football history so I mean, we can sit here and talk about Liverpool all you want, and I'm happy to do that because they've been my team for decades, but um, they've got this one locked up. The question now is uh, what are they going to do on top of it? Are they going to go unbeaten? Are they going to win the Champions League? I mean, is it or is it just going to be a Premier League winning season, which in and of itself would be a massive season, one of the biggest seasons ever because they haven't won the top flight in 30 years and have never won the Premier League. And if you're fairly new to this, uh, understand that prior to the Premier League, it was just the league, and and live, and it was the first division, second division, third division. Now Liverpool were perennial first division champions in the seventies and eighties, but and then of course in the nineties with the Premier League, it became Manchester United, and now Manchester United are suffering. They're down in seventh spot. They are thirty-eight points off of Liverpool think about that they are only 18 points off the dead bottom of the table which is Norwich City who by the way play Liverpool next I believe on uh, the day after Valentine's Day on the 15th but Man United way down the table and I know Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is talking about making a push for for top four but let's talk about the top four because that I think is really where the real interest lies with City losing to Tottenham, that two through six, two through five, have been really compressed. Now, in order to get into the top four, uh, some teams going to have to make up a four-point margin to do it. Four points in the case of Tottenham, uh, five points in the case of Sheffield, six points in the, t- in the case of United and in the case of wolves and if you look at all these teams let's let's try and handicap who we think really has the best opportunity uh, to get into the top four but let's go, in the meantime uh, let's talk about some of the storylines off of this weekend's match for me the biggest storyline was this bizarre var situation in the Tottenham Man City game where the referee missed the uh the foul on aguero play went on for about um 2 minutes was it 2 minutes the play went on uh maybe yeah about uh, uh, about about 2 minutes and then all of a sudden the referee stops play because he he was called by VAR headquarters that he had uh, missed a penalty. Serge Aurier from Tottenham had uh, brought down Aguero in the box. Now, the referee didn't see it. Play went on for a minute and a half. And then a minute and a half later, VAR stops the play. Now, look, there's a couple of schools of thought of this. Um... Number one is people are saying, oh my God, how ridiculous is that? Play can go on for like two minutes or three minutes. I mean, look, there has to be a stoppage in play for the referee to stop play at some point. Now, I have clarified some of these issues for you. So if you have questions about this, I will tell you. So the referee is supposed to wait till stop and play. However, if play is considered to be going on too long, the referee at his discretion can stop play and award the penalty. Now... I will tell you why I approve of this. I approve of this because one of the things that I got sick and bloody tired of hearing about over the last decades has been, oh, my God, we would have won that game, but he'd missed an obvious penalty. And you can look back at the replay as a fan, and you can see that the referee missed the obvious penalty. And, look, referees are just human. They're not machines. They're not cameras. And if we have machines and cameras to help them, why not do it? Now, the referee misses it play continues, there's not a natural stoppage for, you know, it's not like a coach can throw down a challenge flag like in the NFL. So VAR headquarters calls the referee on the radio and says, a clear penalty in the box, Aurier takes down Aguero, and uh, you need to award a penalty. At which point, the referee looks for a stop in the play, he doesn't see one, lets it go on a bit longer, still no stoppage in play, finally blows a stop to play. Why does he blow a stop to play? Very simple. Because if Tottenham had scored in between the time that the penalty occurrence, the foul in the box had taken place and the time that the referee blows the whistle, he would would not have been able to allow the goal. He would have called it back and then the penalty would have been taken taken place. Now, if Manchester City had scored in that interim that goal would have stood, and he wouldn't have called back for the penalty. They would have considered it an advantage play. Uh, it makes total sense, and uh, please do not complain about this, because this, for me, is why we have VAR. It's just that simple. This is why we have VAR, and then you can make a, you could make a, um, you know, you could just as easily talk about whether Lloris took down. Uh, Raheem Sterling after the penalty when uh, he made the save and Sterling, um, and Sterling runs in for the, uh you know for the. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm having trouble talking here. Sterling runs in for the rebound and and misses it. He doesn't miss it, but it just it just you know it doesn't it doesn't get there. Yeah, he, uh, he's just, quote taken down by Ugo Is he taken down by Ugo Loris? Ah, you know. Again, no clear no clear, uh, foul. They couldn't see it. Couldn't see reason to overturn the decision. So it stood. City end up losing this game uh, by a score of 2-0. And, and look, the problem that City have now is no longer just defensive. I mean, Zichenko getting sent off did not help them. But I believe City have failed to score in two, goal, two, two matches in a row, which is the first time under the Pep Guardiola era that that has happened. And so City, for me, seemed to be um, self-destructing a little bit at this point in the season. And and as you look at it, they've had such an incredible run the last few years that it may well be that it's about time for City to start doing a little bit of retooling and a little bit of refreshing, particularly with the Saudi investment fund uh, potentially buying Newcastle United. Uh, That is going to add another big money player into the mix and start putting more pressure on top players. I think City need to do that, need to do that now. And clearly, um, defensively, not having Laporte uh, is a big problem for them. Uh, They're going to have to get some defensive cover and some defensive help. All right, I'm going to step aside, take a break. We'll be right back with a lot more here on Fistry Soccer. Hope you'll stay with me. We do have matches, by the way, coming up uh, this midweek. We will talk about it, so uh, stay tuned, and uh, I will fill you in on all of the goodies. By the way, not midweek, I meant the weekend. All right, be right back after this. All right, welcome back. History Soccer, Nick Eber with you. So we have matches coming up next Saturday next Sunday. There are only four matches, so eight teams in action. Um... The rest of the team's on break. Everton Palace, Brighton Watford. So Everton Palace at Goodison Park, Brighton Watford at the Amex, uh, Sheffield Bournemouth at Bramall Lane, and City West Ham at the Etihad. And that, there's a couple of really interesting matches here. (coughs) Brighton Watford, it's really going to be a fascinating match just because of where we are in the tables right now where, you know, Watford... um, we talked about what happened when Nigel Pearson takes over. They sort of start to do better. I use my dust boot analogy about how they're lifting off the bottom. If you remember they went, what, uh, five games unbeaten. And then boom! It's been suck fest. They lose at Villa. They lose at home to Everton, although by three goals to two. It was fairly close-ish. And now they find themselves still mired in this relegation zone. Uh, West Ham joining them of course. Uh, you have to wonder about you know the health of that club. They uh, made, made big investment. They bring in David Moyes. They bring him back for a, a great saviour act. And and right now they're one in uh, in the last five. They've only one win, two losses, two draws. Uh, and they did get the the draw, the three three against Brighton at the London Stadium, which was uh, very disappointing for them. I know. So this match, uh, this Watford Brighton match, because Brighton currently in fifteenth spot again only 3 points separate them if watford win this game they're going to leapfrog out they're going to go into 16th uh, they're going to go into probably uh, 16th 17th spot because their goal differential's not enough uh, not enough to take them unless they manage to score like eight goals in this game so that is a fascinating match in and of itself um city west ham obviously i mean city coming off uh, this shock loss to tottenham uh, and by the way, was it that much of a shock loss? And I'm sorry, I am truly all over the place today. <laughs> but I mean, really. I mean, that to me was uh, vintage uh, Mourinho. And made it very difficult for Tottenham. Made it very difficult for their movement. Made it very difficult for them to get anything going. Uh, for, for for Man City. Uh, they pressed him. And City tried to do what they've been doing recently, which is to be kind of goony. Really, I mean, for a team that can play as expansive and beautiful football as Manchester City can, I thought, you know, I think the last few games, maybe even more than that, they, they've just become a little too rough and ready. They're trying to make up for their deficiencies by playing a very physical game. And it came back to to bite them, of course, in getting the second red card, which was uh, deserved. So City-West Ham, of course, West Ham, you know, bringing David Moyes for the Great Saviour Act, and they're in the relegation zone, so everything at stake here. I mean, if you told me at the beginning of the season Man City were going to lose six games, I wouldn't have believed you. Another huge match at Bramall Lane, Sheffield United, Bournemouth. And Bournemouth, you know, I it's funny, Eddie Howe must be listening to me, but I mean, I was talking about what a crap team they were, what a rubbish team they were, uh, how they'd gone from sort of the lofty heights of seventh position back in the beginning of November all the way to dead bottom of the table or just about when they were beaten by the worst team in the league, Norwich, just, um, you know, uh, a couple of short weeks ago. And then it's been two on the bouts, big win at home against Brighton, big win at home against Aston Villa, doing what they have to do against other uh bottom of the table Premier League teams, and all of a sudden they are the ones doing the great dust boot rising off the sea floor act, and they find themselves now out of the relegation zone, but only you know by very few points by the way, and then they have this very, very tough game against what is quite frankly one of the surprise packages of the Premier League this season, newly promoted Sheffield United, the Blades. What a fantastic team this is. What a fun team to watch this is. Uh, They play such lovely football at times. And yes, they're not they're not beating the teams above them. I mean, we'll all agree on that, right? But they are beating the teams below them. I do not think Sheffield United are serious contenders for the top four position. I think they're going to be fighting in and around where they are I fully expect them to beat Bournemouth I believe this is at Bramall Lane so this is at home for Sheffield United and th- And three points would take them to 39 and of course but Tottenham go to play Villa for their next game uh, and uh, Wolves are playing Leicester very tough for them and Arsenal play Newcastle we're gonna we're gonna talk about Arsenal in, in, in a minute uh, if you want to, if if you're feeling a little bilious, then probably an extended discussion of Arsenal Football Club isn't going to be for you if you are a gooner. Because this club is just an absolute, unmitigated disaster. And if Stan Kroenke is your owner, uh, I, I guess you shouldn't be too surprised. I don't know what to say. Arsenal fans are besides themselves. The This is a club that was once great. They have six. Are you ready for this? They have six wins in 25 games. Yeah, they've only lost, they've lost, what, as many games as City have? Six, but they've got 13 draws. I believe that's the most in the league. Yeah, that is the most in the league by a long shot. Wolves second to that. Arsenal have become draw specialists. They've also become specialists in giving up late goals, giving up leads, uh, basically just giving up. This team is awful. And uh, Mikel Arteta is not uh, the man, I don't think, for this team. I think they needed uh, a different manager. We're going to see they've got a massive match coming up on uh, the 16th of February at home against Newcastle United against Steve Bruce's side, who have had a series of decent results, including a 1-0 home win against Chelsea and a nice draw against Wolves. But a lot of pressure right now on uh, on, uh, Arsenal, and we're going to talk about them some more after this. So let's get back to the top of the table. And the point that I'm making here is that as Liverpool continue to run away with this, and their next match is against Norwich, the the bottom dwellers of the league. I think Norwich have won a total of uh, four matches all season. Including their recent victory a couple of weeks ago against Bournemouth, which was a shocker. I mean, Norwich's results, they had two early wins. They beat uh, Man City, if you remember, at Carrow Road. And that was the shock. And then they beat Newcastle very early on. I want to say that was also at home. Uh, I, I don't And they uh And they beat, uh, and they beat uh, Bournemouth at home. So all three wins have come at home. This is at home, but they are playing Liverpool. And even though Liverpool are on a two-week break right now, and the players are spending time with their families and not reporting for training and doing all of this other stuff, I think this break is going to be good for Liverpool. And I cannot see... Under any circumstances, Liverpool losing this game or or uh, Norwich pulling the shock upset of the century or at least of the year uh, by beating Liverpool at home, um, the 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 pure fact of the matter is is that Norwich have scored. Are you ready for this? Forty seven goals. Pardon me, conceded forty seven goals, and they have scored. Only 24 goals. They're scoring less than a goal a game, and they are conceding nearly two goals a game. And if you look at Liverpool right now, uh, Liverpool have not have not conceded a goal in the well, conceded one goal against Wolves, I think, in the last five or six games. Let's have a look. Uh, Good lord, look at this. Yeah, they have conceded. Okay, so let's go back here. So that's one zero goals. Two, three, four. They've conceded one goal, two goals, in nine games. I mean, okay. Sorry to do the math as I'm, I'm talking to you here, but I'm not a superhuman calculator. I mean, <laughs> Wow. They've conceded 15 goals in 25 games. Norwich are unlikely to score against Liverpool, and they are more than likely to concede since Liverpool are averaging a score of two and a half goals to one for each game played. Now, the last game they played... Which was uh, really early on in the season, I want to say. Was it the first game of the season? You know, I actually think the the last the the reverse fixture fixture I want to say was the very first game of the season. Yes, it was. It was at Anfield, and Liverpool beat Norwich four one. So I'm expecting a result similar, except I don't think Norwich are going to score. I'm going to say this one would likely be 3-0, but of course we've got a couple of weeks, and we've still got a lot to talk about before we start to get into that match previews. But we've talked Sheffield United, Bournemouth. I tell you what, when we come back, let's talk a little bit about um, Everton-Crystal Palace and um, what an important game that is, as well as, of course, Wofford-Brighton and City-West Ham. Uh, Those are matches coming up, and we'll continue to look at the results over the weekend because we still haven't talked about some of these absolutely shocking results over the weekend. I mean, for me, uh, Chelsea-Leicester 2-2 was a great result, uh, but we need to talk about Sheffield United going to Selhurst Park and beating uh, beating Crystal Palace, Brighton Wolves, and let's talk about Man United. All right, when I come back, we'll continue the discussion here on Fifth Street Soccer. Support for Fifth Street Soccer comes from Manscaped, who's the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Look, it's 2020. Happy New Year, everyone. And you know what that means? New year, new me, new nuts. Listen, men. Hairy bushes, they're so 2019, or actually more like 1975. If you're going to pick up any New Year's resolution, let it be to take care of your junk. Manscaped is making it easy with their grooming products. Look, I have recently started using this product. And let me tell you, I've gone from Prince Harry to King Baldrick. Easy peasy, no nicks, no hurt, no blood. That's right. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past, and thank God for that. Oh, and stop being nasty. You don't have to use the same thing you use to trim your junk on your face. Come on now. Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver. Now this is an anti-chafing nut deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why not put them on the smelliest part of your body? You can get 20% off plus free shipping. Use the code believe B-L-E-A-V, at manscaped.com. Start the new year off the right way by using the best tools for your tools. Yep, your balls will thank you. Take 20% off with free shipping. Use code BLEAV at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code BLEAV. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code BLEAV, and like me, you can go from Prince Harry to King Baldric without any pain. All right, welcome back, Fifth Street Soccer. Nick Eber with you. Let's take a look at the transfer market because it closed. The window closed January thirty first, so. Uh, I thought you saw just how important uh, some of these signings have been. Uh, St- um, uh, Bergwin scoring for Tottenham uh, on his. Uh, I mean, what a beautiful. By the way, what an absolutely stunning goal Stephen Bergwin scored. I mean, it was a nasty game to begin with. City were down to 10 men. But good lord, what a beauty he took this on the volley and just put it into the side of the net. It was a gorgeous goal. I mean right after Zichenko sent off. And I thought Son Hyung-Ming had a fantastic game too. Scored of to the second goal. I thought Spurs looked good. I mean it was a it was a nasty um, it was a nasty game. It was ill tempered. Had a tough edge to it, which I might add, uh, you can thank City for. And I think, uh, I think they, you know, reaped what they sowed. But let's get back to the transfer market for a minute. So some of the last-minute moves were, and I'll talk about some big ones here. Um, I- 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 Ighalo is a 30-year-old centre-forward, uh, basically in the retirement league at Shenhua in China. United are looking for a striker. I mean, obviously, um, Marcus Rashford is injured, and Anthony Martial is really looking bad these days. They need somebody to score goals. And, you know, to give you an example of just how hard it has been for them, I know they've had a lot of targets that they've been looking at, but it ended up they had to go to China to bring in Ighalo. And if you know nothing about this guy, you should, because um, he was at Watford and then went to China, has been playing in China for three years. Uh, He was in Udinese. Uh, You know, he is Granada, Udinese. Uh, He's just, you know... Is this how far Man United have fallen? Because they need a striker and they bring in a 30-year-old from China that's been playing in China for three years. That should tell you everything you need to know. Uh, Jan Milaka, 21 years old, moves from Brighton to Wigan, uh, goes from the Premier League to the Championship, and uh, Balogun a centre-back goes from Brighton to Wigan. They move him out too. Those are loan uh, loan deals. Jared Bowen goes from Hull City in the Championship to West Ham for 21 million. He's a winger. Villa bring in uh, Baston from Swansea on a free. And honestly, Uh, Luke Matheson goes from Rochdale to Wolves. They bring him in for a million or so. Uh, Tariq Tariq Lamptey goes from the Chelsea under-23s to Brighton. He's going to see some first-team action, I would believe. He's only 19 years old. It's a very exciting move for him and for Brighton. Norwich bring in uh, Sam McCallum, a left-back, for $4 Burnley bring in uh, Josh Brownhill from Bristol City. Newcastle bring in Danny Rose. We talked about that before. Obviously, uh, Sheffield bring in Sander Berger from Genk. It's a big signing for Sheffield United, 21 million. Wolves bring in uh, Podence from Olympiakos. He's a left winger. West Ham bring in uh, Thomas Suchek from Slava Prague. And Arsenal bring in uh, Pablo Mari from Flamengo. He's a centre-back. They need him badly. Uh, um, Christian Eriksen goes from Spurs to Inter. Finally, he's gone. And uh, by the way, it it almost seemed like Spurs were playing with a bit of a new lease on life now that he's gone. I I think he'd become a a nasty little problem for them. And uh, very good that he's gone for them. Uh, Lazaro goes from Inter to Newcastle on loan. That's another move right there. Um, Bentaleb, Nabil Benteleb goes from Schalke to Newcastle on loan. Uh, Samata goes from Genk to Villa for $10 million. Bawana Sata, uh, Samata is a center forward. And let's see if there's any, any other big ones that we didn't really know. Of course, Ashley Young go from United to, to uh, Inter. We we knew that. Uh, Villa get rid of Kogia. West Ham bring in uh, Darren Rudolph, Randolph, excuse me, from Middlesbrough. And Spurs bring in uh, Gedson Fernandes. We talked about that. All right, so w- w- so we know everything that's moved. That basically was the end of the January transfer window. Bruno Fernandes brought in by Man United. And I think if we talk about Man United and their problems, obviously we talked about uh, them signing f- – um, Odion Egalo from Shenhua in China being there three years 30-year-old center forward. They did manage to sign for some 60 million or 80 million pounds Bruno Fernandes from uh, Sporting Lisbon. He was their man. He's one of the guys he's looked for. He's a playmaker, a midfielder. Um, and if it's a, any sign of how desperate Man United are, this guy literally had, what, been to one training session and they threw him in on the side and I heard United fans on the radio actually complaining about him. Oh, you know, he doesn't seem to, uh, he doesn't score, and he didn't score, and he didn't look great. Well, of course not. I actually thought he looked like one of the better players on the pitch, and certainly one of the better players for United. But one training session, what do you expect? I mean, really, come on. United in, in in trouble. It's going to be a very difficult season for them. It's a huge rebuild. I don't even want to get into Ole Gunnar Solskjaer or any of that sort of stuff. But let's talk about the top four for a minute because Liverpool are done and dusted. They're going to win this thing. You've got City, Leicester, Chelsea, and Tottenham. Now, I, I think it's unlikely, and I say unlikely, that Leicester City are going to drop out of the top four. A uh, 2-2 draw against Chelsea. I want to say that was at the King Power. I actually thought they were going to win, but it it was a decent game. Chelsea, they're they're all over the place. You never know what you're going to get. I think we're going to learn a lot more about Chelsea after the break when they play uh, Man United at uh, Stamford Bridge. We're going to get a much better insight. And then Tottenham play Villa, Sheffield play Bournemouth, and then uh, Wolves play Leicester. Now, Wolves beat Leicester City. That's going to be very interesting. I predict probably a draw for that one. But let's talk about Newcastle United for a minute, because currently mid-table. Steve Bruce comes in. I mean, they're obviously closer to the relegation zone than than not. They've had a nice run. They've had uh, four games. They're unbeaten, although it was three three draws and 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 one win only. But the big news, obviously, from Newcastle is that they are in the throes of an acquisition by the Saudi sovereign wealth fund now this is one if not the richest wealth fund on the planet so I'm going to tell you that Newcastle United are going to become the richest team in the world I know this is hard to comprehend and if that is the case and if you could assume that the Saudis are going to make the investment that they need to in Newcastle United, you have to think that in a short matter of months, and not years, let's say years, because you can't just build a team overnight. The days of Abramovich coming in and spending untethered amounts of money uh, are unfortunately behind us with the financial fair play rules. But But you could certainly look to a long-term building process for Newcastle United over the next four or five years that will see them compete for the title, compete for the top four with that sort of money. And it's not just the money, okay, because you can throw money at a problem, but there's an expectation of success. Who in the top four right now who of the quote big six are most likely to be nudged and pushed aside? I mean, I think that's the obvious question. I mean, look, Liverpool have Fenway Sports Group. Man City have um, have shake, um, uh, uh, the shake from um, wherever he is, the emir of... Uh, I'm having an absolute uh, blockage on this one. Um, Leicester City have the Thai billionaires. And Arsenal have... Stam- Tottenham have... well, Tottenham may be an issue. <laughs> um, but Arsenal have Stan Kroenke by the way I'm thinking about Sheikh Mansour Bin Zayed Al Nayhan. there you go <laughs> you know who I mean Sheikh Mansour City Football Group by the way excellent owners I mean really excellent owners not just revitalized Manchester City, the surrounding area, the, the, the club infrastructure. I mean, really an investment in the future rather than an investment in winning now. And I think that's what you're going to see with the Saudi Sovereign Wealth Fund. And, and you know, look, uh, the Saudi Arabians have all sorts of human rights issues, and, and, and we can talk about that. And I think that's a valid discussion to have at some point. But I suppose you can look at any owner of any team um, and, and and find reasons why they shouldn't do it. Uh, you know, the Qataris probably shouldn't have the World Cup, but they do. Is that a reason not to let them in? It's a valid discussion. We're not going to have it now on this show because i got to go to break. But we should probably have that discussion at some point. Maybe we'll bring Kartik on and have a good old chinwag about that. All right, I've got to go. Fifth Street Soccer, step aside, take a quick break, and I'll be right back to wrap it up after this. All right, welcome back. This been Sock. Hope you enjoyed the show, by the way. Catch me daily, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 6 p.m. Pacific, on uh, the Sports Line Broadcast Network and live on Dan Patrick Sports, Sirius XM 211, the award-winning Sirius XM app, uh, iHeartRadio, tune in, big hello to our men and women in uniform because we're on the American Forces Network as well. And, of course, the podcast available immediately upon the conclusion of this show, uh, which is available at the Believe Podcast Network, B-L-E-A-V. Tune in daily. And you can find me on Twitter, at Nick Eber, N-I-C-K-G-E-B-E-R. And you can also find me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Vistory Sports Talk. As I mentioned uh, last week, uh, the show's going to be reverting to its original name, original brand, which was World Soccer Radio. We think it better describes the show. So uh, don't be surprised when uh, we have a new name. Everything else pretty much will be the same. You'll still get to speak to me daily, and I know that's got to be a thrill a minute for you. Very exciting, I know. I'm being sarcastic, of course. (laughs) But uh, that's what we're going to be up to. We'll be on again tomorrow. We're going to continue the discussion here. But I really think this discussion about Newcastle United is absolutely critical. Because this has the potential to completely reshape the Premier League as we know it. And what was the top six and the big six might now be the big seven or still be the big six. But I'm going to suggest to you, think about this. If any one of those big teams falls off, take a look at Arsenal. Take a look at Stan Kroenke. Take a look at his history of ownership. Do you really think this is the guy to lead Arsenal back to the top six, top four, with the likes of Newcastle United and the Saudi Sovereign Wealth Fund behind them? I think not. All right, let's talk about it tomorrow. Be back with you. Until then, have a great night.